Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, Puviet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. Happy Monday, happy November. We have a stellar episode for you today with a tremendous guest, professional beach volleyball player and collegiate volleyball coach Delaney Mewerder joins the show. Goodness, this was such a fantastic conversation. And my only regret is that it was limited to 30 minutes because I have so many more questions for Delaney as she is incredibly charismatic and intelligent and provides some of the most thoughtful answers of any guests we've had, and I was overjoyed at the opportunity to learn from Delaney. Delaney is a professional beach volleyball player and volunteer assistant coach at Pepperdine University, her alma mater. Delaney had an incredibly successful career at Pepperdine, where she was AVCA All-American and Volleyball Magazine All-American first team in 2017, and an All-WCCC first team in 2016 and 17. Additionally, during those years, she was also named to the All-Academic team, which will come as little surprise once you get to NAR. Throughout her four-year career with the Waves, she amassed an 81-31 overall record with a 7.23 winning percentage. She helped the Waves to an AVCA Beach Volleyball National Championship title in 2014, including a 15-4 record in dual action. And in her senior campaign, the captain led the Waves to an NCAA Championship runner-up title after going 20-12 alongside partner Madeline Rowe. Most recently on the international circuit, Delaney and her partner Therese Cannon won their first international beach tournament in the Netherlands, going 5-0, they won their pool and down two teams from Germany and one from Switzerland in the knockout round for gold. On today's conversation, Delaney reflects on what it was like growing up in an athletic family and how faith and discipline have played an integral role in her career. Delaney also looks back at her time in Pepperdine and some of her fondest memories. Delaney and I also chat about her travels through volleyball, including an unforgettable time in Israel that left an indelible mark. Finally, Delaney discusses the creation of Chasing Gold an organization that helps provide resources for beach volleyball players. Tremendous, tremendous conversation. Like I said, she is incredibly wise, and we are super lucky to have had her as a guest. Thrilled for everyone to meet her. So let's go ahead and welcome on assistant coach at Pepperdine University and professional beach volleyball player, the brilliant Delaney Merwerder, and let's learn. Both of your parents were collegiate athletes. So what was it like growing up in an athletic family? Growing up in an athletic family, it's tough to say because I think we kept a lot of athletic friends as well. So I don't have a lot of comparison as far as what it's like to not be in an athletic family. Um, but my parents were very much athletes. They played in college, but they continued to play beach volleyball after college. And that's how they met. Uh, they met at a beach volleyball tournament. So growing up, even before I was playing, we were going out to the beach and playing in the sand while they were playing pickup games. Um, so we were always outside, being active, being competitive, any combination of, of those things. Uh, even on our family vacations, we spent time hiking, like wakeboarding, water skiing, all, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, we just, we, we, uh, we were very active. We kept busy um, yeah. physically. In high school, do you specialize in volleyball or do you play other sports as well? In high school, I was specialized. When I was a young kid, I, I don't, my parents will joke. My dad's favorite line is that when I was born, he put a volleyball in the crib with me and said, if she doesn't want to play volleyball, that's okay. There's plenty of other families she can go live with. <laughs> um, so, but that's a joke because they didn't force me or any of my siblings into the sport. I played all kinds of different sports when I was a kid. 
Um, I loved basketball, played um, soccer, swimming. I did competitive diving for a little bit, gymnastics, like all, all different kinds of, of things. But um, so it was open for us to kind of choose our own path, but their passion was volleyball. And so we were drawn to that just because we could experience their love for it. Um, so by the time I was in college or in high school, I was specialized playing volleyball exclusively. I do regret I was, if you can say this, like recruited to play the, the freshman basketball team by my biology teacher because he was the coach. Yeah. Um, and I said no, because I didn't want to get hurt. You know, I didn't want to affect my volleyball um, season, but I think I would have been fine. And I think that would have been really fun. <laughs> well, I'm curious on how you've avoided burnout over time, because you're born into a volleyball family. So you're around it all the time. And I know a lot of athletes are specialized now, but with that comes the opportunity of being burned out or just being stale or just getting tired of it. So over time, what have you done to, to take that break from volleyball? There's two things. Um, when I, I mentioned that I played a lot of sports when I was a kid, obviously being specialized already by high school is pretty early, but there were girls on my high school teams that had started playing when they were in elementary school. And so I saw a lot of them not make it through high school, not make it through college before they were just done. And if they did, they were definitely done after college. Um, so I think being able to play a variety of sports when I was a kid, I think that helped a lot. Mm -hmm. um, along with just the general passion that my whole family had for it. It was just such an enthusiasm like that it just stuck with me. Um, but I think that a major contributor um, is a, a religious standard that I keep of maintaining the Sabbath day. Mm -hmm. um, so I would take Sundays off. I have my whole career. Um, high school, it, it was a, an issue sometimes because when I was on club teams, mm -hmm. they would have competitions on Sunday that I wouldn't go to. Um, once I got to college, I looked at it more as a job. And so I, I played when I was required to play. Um, but taking that consistent time off, just a separate day to keep like my perspective on the world and what, everything else that's going on and resetting. Um, I think that that's had a, a big, a big impact on my lack of burnout these yeah. years playing this sport. On your Sabbath day now, how much volleyball is going on? I know that there's still going to be some tournaments that happen on Sundays, but are you trying to make it no volleyball as much as you can? I don't train on Sundays. Mm. Um, if anything, I'll do some basic recovery, um, but it's mostly like I, I don't touch a ball because it. I try to look at it as not doing work and even like peppering around for fun because I'm so committed to it. I like can't even pepper without trying to think about technique and getting better in some way. So I just need to take that mental break. Um, the, it will get to the point where I hope <laughs> where if I'm getting into semis and finals of big professional events, those are going to be happening on Sundays. But at that point, if the amount of um, financial support that's going to come from those wins is going to support my family, you know, and put me on a stage where I can be, a great example of a Christian light to people. I think that there's a little bit of a give and take there. I don't think that playing in a final, you know, with all of the, the energy and the hype that goes with that is going to lend tend to um, uh, lead to burnout, <laughs> but the consistent training, um, you need to have a break. Yeah. Well, I admire that. And I love that your philosophy on that. I think it's uh, it's probably why you have been able to stay successful for as long as you have in college. You went on to play at Pepperdine 
looking back on your time there, what were some of your favorite memories? Um, easy ones are the national championships. Um, we went to the national championship tournament every year that I was there. Um, and that's every year that I was there as a player and every year that I was there as a coach, I coached for three seasons after I finished playing there. Um, so those are just incredible memories. We won the national championship my freshman year at Pepperdine. It was before it was sanctioned by the NCAA. So it was under a governing body of the ABCA, um, which some people will say it makes it count less or something, but all like the NCAA does an amazing job with their national championship tournaments. There's way more bells and whistles and production that goes into it. But when I was a freshman and we were sanctioned by ABCA, it was the best beach volleyball teams in the country that were there competing and we came out on top. And so I take a lot of pride in that. Mm -hmm. um, we also had a great championship run uh, my senior year. We ended up finishing second behind a very deep USC team. Um, they were the favorites. Everyone would have picked them to be champions that year, but we made it to the finals to compete against them. And I will never forget the feeling heading into that match, knowing that it was going to be my last one, you know, because as a senior in the tournament, any one of those matches could have been my last match if we lost, right? But this one, win or lose, it was going to be the last one. And I was just, I had such a strong desire to, to finish strong, you know, on a national stage, like competing against the best team. I just wanted to finish like how I knew I could play. And the first point of the match was this knockdown, drag out, like greedy rally, um, just running off the court, diving one-handed save. And we came out on top and went up one zero. And I was just like, yes, yeah. like, this is what I want. This is what I want is to play my best on this last run here representing my school. And so that was amazing. I'll never forget that. Well, and I have to ask, what was it like going to a campus that is known as the most beautiful campus in the United States? <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. And what's awesome is going there as a beach volleyball athlete. We actually went to the beach every day. If you ask some of the students, yeah. like everyone was like, yeah, you're so close to the beach, but we're not on the water. You have to cross PCH and like drive a little bit to, to get to the beach. And so a lot of students, if they're stuck in their classes and with schoolwork and such like they don't actually get out to the beach all that often mm -hmm. so what better way to go to Pepperdine than to be on the beach volleyball team we played and practiced on the beach every day of the week while I was there it was amazing love yeah. that mentally emotionally how have you handled the last year with just all the things that came with the cancellation with uncertainty especially yeah this last year has been such a roller coaster <laughs> for everyone mm -hmm. for sure um, but I look back and I laugh because I was coaching at Pepperdine um, in 2020, right? At, when it all started happening, we were in the middle of our season. Um, when matches started getting canceled, conferences started making statements that like they were going to be like not competing until everything like, kind of settled down. And then the NCAA finally came out and said like, we're done. Um, and I remember just how brutal that was for our seniors that year. Uh, and everybody just to have worked so hard and to to have been in the middle of it in the thick of it and to just have it all stop and everyone just leave and go home just mm -hmm. separated there's nothing like that feeling it, it was very unique um but 
in the process of coaching, there's a little, and just being part of the collegiate beach volleyball system, there's a little bit of overlap with the the college um, schedule and the professional schedule. Mm -hmm. The first professional tournament of the domestic tour is always the first weekend of May. And that is when the last competition for the college season is. That's when the national championships are. So for six years, I had never been able to play in that opening professional event. And so the NCAA came out and said, we're not having a tournament. Competitions are canceled. And like the next couple of weeks, I was like, oh, maybe this means I'm going to be able to play this event. (laughs) And I just look back and laugh, like as if it was all going to be resolved that quickly and I'd be able to compete. And then the AVP season, our professional tour got canceled and everything got canceled. And um, so emotionally, it was hard. It was a roller coaster, lots of ups and downs. Um, It was it was beneficial to be able to take some time and, and really dig in and focus on my own training. I felt like I experienced a lot of growth and a lot of improvement during that time because I was able to dedicate my focus solely to my game and improving myself. Um, at the same time, there were some rough plateaus that I got stuck in and had to break through. And all the while with no competitions on the schedule, it's, it's hard to stay training and to stay dedicated when you don't necessarily have a, a concrete goal yeah. um and that's still hard because competitions are slowly coming back on the schedule as it's hard to get permits for all of these like big events um, but we've got a little bit picking up so it's getting a little easier but definitely hard <laughs> yeah what about uncertainty because i know that was the big trouble from for many people especially myself I, there was what's going to happen because we didn't know it was one of those things if they would have came out initially and said it's going to be x amount of days x amount of months and this can happen we'd have probably been easier to handle but not knowing was one of the biggest things that I struggled with. So for you, how did you change over the last year when it comes to not knowing and not having the answer? That's a great question. I think um, it's definitely something that I struggled with and and something that I'm still kind of trying to deal with, especially with um, when you're in a sports environment and you're training for a competition, there's, um, there's a process to that. Usually the early preseason is really focused on um, sharpening up your technical foundation, maybe like digging into some big major changes that you want to make in your technique, in your game. And then as you get closer to a competition, you start like taking a step back and having a broader vision, um, focusing more on strategic elements of the game, not so focused on um, the finite technical things. And along with that, there's the physical training that goes with it, like strength and conditioning. You can push some heavy weight in the off season, right? To build up a foundation of strength. And then you want to start pulling that stuff off when you're getting closer to competition. Um, so managing those, those processes with the uncertainty of when we're going to be able to really get into a season has been hard. It's been really hard and we've been, we've had to be really flexible. Um, I say we, it's me and whoever my partner is that I'm training with at the time. And that has changed a little bit over the last year and a half um changed around but but that's something that i think will ultimately be beneficial having to deal with that flexibility and realizing that no matter what position along the process of training you're in you can still perform whether it's going to be 100 percent or 90 percent most of the time you're going to be able to deal with what you have what have you learned from coaching that you never knew about beach volleyball before that's a great question i would say that coaching was at least in the first year or two years that I did it was the most beneficial for my game than any other single thing I could have done training wise, 
um, lifting, like just physical training wise, um, the perspective that it gives you when you're on the outside watching athletes train and play and compete and try hard, you know, like they're giving their all. But the perspective that I was able to get the, um, from the outside, just watching the things that kids would get kids, these are collegiate athletes, right? <laughs> the things that they would get worked up over, the things that would, that would start like spirals, you know, or, or the things they would get really fired up about. It was so valuable for me to see which of those things didn't matter as much, you know? So then when I'm, when I take my, uh, my turn on the court and some crazy error happens or the other team makes a great play, I can kind of step back and say like, okay, that was rough, but it was one point, you know? Um, so that was a great perspective. I think just being able to separate a little bit the emotionalness of being on the court in the heat of competition, because I've been on the outside and been able to watch it with more of a, a steady level head has been really valuable. There's more importance now for coaches to understand team building. In the past, that wasn't really worked on as much. But for you, it's a little different because your team consists of one. So when you are instructing your athletes, your kids, what are the things you're telling them and maybe some things off the court that you focus on to develop the cohesion? That is, um, it is definitely a challenge mm -hmm. because each individual is so unique. Mm -hmm. um, and when you're on the court in a team of two, there is nowhere to hide and it's just you and your partner. Um, it's very interesting, the dynamic in beach volleyball and a subtle difference between the collegiate game and the professional game, um, the relationship that the athletes have with their coaches, because uh, at the collegiate level, the, the players are recruited to the school um, on scholarship or not, but they're playing under the coach's direction um, it, within the coach's system. You know, there's some control that the coach has. Um, but when you're on the court, you have to make your own decisions. You and your partner have to figure some stuff out because for each um, collegiate team, the NCAA rules allow only for three coaches, two paid coaches, a head coach, an assistant coach, and a volunteer coach. And sometimes you're competing five teams at a time, which means that at any given time, there's two of your teams that don't have a coach on the court at all. So your athletes have to be able to think for themselves. Um, and on the professional level, when you compete internationally, your coach is not allowed anywhere near you while you're playing. You have to do it yourself, you and your partner. Um, so I think two of the things that are really important to, to manage that dynamic um, is understanding the differences between people, different personalities, different perspectives, different backgrounds. Um, it was actually recommended to me recently by a friend, a, a vein doctor out in Florida to read Personality Plus, mm. uh, which is a, a book that describes personalities within four different categories and basically breaks down uh, with cute and relatable stories for each of the different uh, categories of personality. Um, so that was fun to read. Um, but we also did personality training at Pepperdine using the DISC model, D-I-S-C. Mm. And so just just giving the athletes that perspective that not everyone thinks like them, not everyone is going to respond like them, not everyone needs what they need as far as the emotional support and energy on the court. So that's really important. It's just understanding the differences between you and your partner or the similarities and understanding how to manage those. 
Um, but I think the other thing that's really important is just taking responsibility. There, like I said earlier, there's nowhere to hide when it's just you and your partner. When you play six man um, indoor, usually, there are three people in the back row passing, um, usually a fourth one mixed in there. And if you're struggling passing, the coach is going to tell you to hide. And you take a step back to the end line and someone else fills in for you. Or they can sub you out in an extreme case, right? There's options. If, if you're struggling, if you're feeling the pressure, someone else can cover you. But when you're in a team of two, there's really nowhere to go. You, you have to love it. You have to love the pressure. You have to have the confidence to stand up to the pressure and, um, and take responsibility for mistakes or, or own it when you make a great play. It goes both ways. Yeah. But those are two things. I love that you do personality inventories with the athletes. And I'm guessing that there's no consistent combination of success, that sometimes opposites attract, sometimes similarities attract, and sometimes there's just no clue, right? There's no rhyme or reasons. Is that what you've witnessed? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had any given combination of personalities paired together on our teams and the teams that I've played on myself uh, on the professional tour. There's, yeah, anybody can work together. It just sometimes takes a little bit of emotional intelligence to manage your own strengths and weaknesses and just awareness to understand and manage the other person's strengths and weaknesses if they're different than yours. Yeah, which I think you gain that by understanding yourself and learning about yourself through the personalities. What was your major in college? My major was business administration. Okay. I wouldn't have guessed that. I <laughs> thought it would have been more along the lines of psychology or something. Yeah. So I, I originally went into Pepperdine declared as a sports medicine major mm-hmm. um, because it's related to athletics, right? And I loved learning about the human body. In high school, I took an anatomy class that I yeah. really enjoyed. Um, but I sat down on the first day with my academic advisor and they showed me the practices I was going to have to miss to go to labs and classes. And I was like, not for me. <laughs> Not for me. I'm here to play. So I picked business admin because I think that it, it was going to give me the most uh, flexibility out of school, the, the most general practical education. So you've traveled the world through volleyball playing both indoor and outdoor. When you look back on your career, what are the locations that stand out? Uh, first of all, emotionally as a competitor and then also as a tourist. There are so many. Yeah, this yeah. Is- I was overwhelmed by this question when I read it ahead of time. Um, the one that stands out first and foremost um, from like an emotional standpoint is I had the opportunity to play in Tel Aviv uh, in Israel um, in late 2019. So a couple of years ago, I know that it's a pretty unsafe area to be right now, but um, we had the opportunity to compete there and it was an incredible experience. The, the competition itself was so fun. Tel Aviv, the, the city and the, the beach, it was at Frischman Beach uh, where we played. And it had such a similar vibe to Hermosa here where I am living, where most of the, the beach volleyball professionals live and train. Um, there's a little boardwalk that is packed with walkers, bicyclists, like joggers, all that sort of stuff. And there's beach volleyball courts peppered along the sand like as you're walking along. Um, and just people playing all up and down the beach. And so it, it felt, uh, cool to be so far away from home, but to feel so similar to home. Um, but on top of that, we had the opportunity after the tournament had ended to visit Jerusalem. Mm. Um, and that was an incredible experience, uh, from a tourist perspective, from, um, a religious perspective, just to get into an area that has such incredible history to feel 
the power that there is there for so many different people just to see um, the it it gives <laughs> it gives you a perspective you really start to understand why there's so much conflict there because the center of three major world religions is all in the same place on stacked on top of each other um, so that was an incredible experience that I think is my number one uh, my favorite place that uh, volleyball has taken me in the world because um, I don't know that I otherwise would have been able to have that experience. Yeah. Um, so that was amazing. Um, there are a couple other really incredible events as far as um, the competition, the crowd, the energy goes. The Manhattan Beach Open is the major stop on the domestic tour every year. Um, held right here. It's always on my birthday. <laughs> it's always on my birthday weekend uh, in August. It won't be this year. It wasn't last year, but usually, I guess. Um, and it's the biggest event of the year. This area, Manhattan Hermosa, is the center of beach volleyball, um, where most of the fans congregate uh, in general. And so the energy is just so huge. I had one of the, I had my best uh, finish in a professional event at, in Manhattan Beach in 2019. Um, and the win that we had to, to seal that best finish, it was, the crowd was like 20 to 30 people deep on all ends of the court, um, that there cowbells cheering, heckling. It was just, everyone was so into it, which was so fun. The energy was so real. Um, so that, that's a big one. Manhattan, the Manhattan beach open is a big one. Uh, seaside, uh, up in. Oregon. They do a really cool event every year. Um, and it's huge, like hundreds of courts that this staff digs holes and sets up these poles every year over and over again. Um, hundreds of courts. And so just the amount of people that show up to play and then as their tournaments finish and everything, everyone's still around for the finals of the, the opens. And it's the, just the energy there is amazing as well. Have you ever experienced any inclement weather, wild weather, or strange courts that were maybe international where something was just different? Um, so there is the international tour, which is the FIVB, and that's the whole world globally. There's also the Norseca tour, which is Northern America, Central America, and the Caribbean, uh, just that region. Those tournaments are kind of known to have uh, less than ideal court conditions. Yeah. Um, so I've had some fun funny experiences at some of those tournaments whether it's just really shallow sand yeah. or not enough perimeter around the courts you know it's just not quite up to the standards that we're used to competing um and we play through any weather uh we have delays for thunderstorms if there's lightning striking close other than that we'll play in extreme cold and <laughs> extreme heat and rain um last year we played a beach tournament in Wapaka. It's called Wapaka, but it's in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. <laughs> and <laughs> the first day was rained out. We played in the morning. It absolutely poured for two and a half hours. Uh, the course started flooding. The sand got really packed down because it was so wet. People were trying to like scoop the water off of the courts with their feet or with their hands. And we finished the day and we came back and played again the next day so so yeah sometimes weather can get pretty extreme and the biggest factor i think is people would think that the courts are hard to play on when when there's flooding and everything but 
the hardest thing is that the balls get waterlogged and really heavy. So okay. it's hard on the shoulder, hard on the body. It tracks differently. Yeah, I'm sure it um, moves different in the air. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we've had some extreme experiences with weather and court conditions as well. Yeah. You know, and of all your travels through volleyball, we didn't ask maybe the most important one. What's the location where you still are thinking about the food? I love Chicago style okay. pizza okay. and the okay. AVP tour has a stop in Chicago every year, um, right underneath the Sears tower. So uh, that's probably my favorite for food. I love getting the Chicago pizza. Fantastic. What do you feel is the biggest lesson you've learned from the last 12 difficult months? I think the biggest lesson that I have learned is about my own resiliency. Um, it, I had a, a realization a couple months ago, I think it was when we, we're starting what would usually be our preseason, right? Not off season. At the beginning of the year, we're ready to start dialing in our training and working towards some goals. And we still didn't have a single competition on the schedule. And I turned to my partner and I was like, people talk about loving the process. We really have to love the process right now because that's all we have. Yeah. You know, it's, they, you talk about, it's not the destination, but it's like the climb and the journey to get there. And all we have is journey. <laughs> we don't even have a destination yet. Um, so just realizing what I am able to accomplish and the, the dedication and commitment that I've been able to maintain, uh, even in the face of some adverse uncertainty, um, that has been amazing just for me to learn that about myself, uh, to be able to rely on that and to lean back on that in the future, uh, when there's other adversity that arises, cause there definitely will be. I mean, that's a great philosophical approach for our life too, right? All we have is the journey. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. I think it's, it's brilliant. <laughs> so what's chasing gold and why is it important to you? Chasing gold is a new nonprofit that my husband and my partner's husband have co-founded this year um, in an effort to number one, raise awareness of the financial strain that beach volleyball athletes are under. Everyone watches beach volleyball in the Olympics, right? It's like the number one watched sport in the summer Olympics. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a huge deal every four years. And the other three, or even the other three plus the 10 months that the Olympics aren't happening, there's not a lot of support for our sport as far as fans, fans are concerned. And so since that's where the money comes from, we struggle. Um, we have uh, USA Volleyball is like our Olympic governing body, our committee here, and they do offer support to the top level players. Um, I do think that if you ask most of those top level players, if that is enough to relieve the financial stress of the travel and the expenses that they have to incur throughout a season, I don't think that they would say that they wouldn't like more support. <laughs> so, but I don't want to say that they're not doing their part. USA Volleyball is definitely contributing to the top level of our sport, but why not help more, you know? So it was, um, my husband and my partner's husband's idea to start this nonprofit and to approach uh, bigger companies, people who have more to offer and just let them know that there is this need, um, that there are these athletes that have such incredible potential that are giving their all and under so much stress to maintain just the standard of living that you want to as a, as a competitive athlete, right? As a professional athlete, it's a challenge to live here in the most expensive area not the most expensive but one of the most expensive states uh and areas within this state to live but that's where you have to be if you're going to compete at the highest level and the travel all around the world and so yeah chasing gold is a nonprofit organization that's accepting donations that will go to um, a team of 10 athletes that are pursuing um 
Olympic goals. So they're trying to represent our country um, on the international stage uh, and they could use some financial support to achieve those goals just for some more peace of mind, take some pressure off to allow them to compete at their highest potential. For someone interested in helping out, how can they find out more information for Chasing Gold? Chasing Gold has a website. It's chasinggold.org. Okay. Um, so chasinggold.org is a great place to go if you want more information about the athletes that they are currently supporting, if you want information about what they have been able to accomplish thus far with the donations that they are receiving. Um, because it's a nonprofit organization, the money goes where it's supposed to. They are only able to reimburse for expenses that the athletes can submit from their travel, from their competitions, from just general training things. Um, so that is a great place to go if you want more information or just to keep up with their mission and what they're achieving. They have the Instagram page, Chasing Gold, as well. Um, so, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. And I admire your creation in that and your, your involvement in the program. This has been awesome, but I, I got to ask before you go, every volleyball player we've had on always gives me the best book recommendations. So stage is yours. What is a book that you've read recently or over during the quarantine lockdown that uh, stood out? Um, so I am historically not a huge reader, but my husband is, he reads like a book a week. It's insane. And so he's been rubbing off on me. I have been reading a lot. I just want to say that so that my book recommendation is fairly credible. <laughs> I've read uh, more in this last year than I have in the previous few years combined. And you've, you've posted um, a few as well. So that's why I, I asked as well. Yeah. Um, I think that the best recommendation that I can give based on the books that I've read recently is How to Win Friends and Influence People. Ah, Dale Carnegie. Okay. Yeah. I, that has been a wonderful read. Um, just little skills that you can pick up and instantly start um, implementing in the way that you deal with people, manage people, communicate with people. In our sport, we touched on the challenge it is to have a team of two people on the court. So your people skills have to be pretty honed. You have to be pretty pretty uh, skilled in managing people and communicating with people. But I don't think that that's unique to beach volleyball. I think wow. that in any industry, in any career, managing people, learning how to communicate clearly with people and effectively is going to get you really far. And I think that that book does a great job illustrating the little skills and nuances of, of that. Well said. And I think the best thing about that book is that it was written, what, 90 years ago and it's still applicable today. That's yeah, the, it's amazing. <laughs> this has been so much fun. Love chatting with you. What's next for you? What events do we have coming up? And how can people stay up to date and follow your journey? Um, the best way to stay up to date and follow my journey would be to follow me on Instagram at Delaney Mewarder. Um, That is the social media that I am the most active on. So any updates that I have for anybody will go up there. Um, the two biggest uh, tours that I'm going to be trying to compete on in the coming year or few years are the AVP. Um, so their website is avp.com. They host our domestic professional tour with stops that go all around the country. So even if you're not local to California, we might be coming to your area. Um, Wisconsin, hopefully. <laughs> Wisconsin, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they have been putting on a great professional tour for years, and they're starting to develop even uh, a semi-professional tour with stops in, others, in other spots that has been doing really well. So those are going to be some great competitions that we're hoping to get on the schedule soon. Um, and the other tour is the international tour, the FIVB. So that will put us traveling around the world globally, mostly in Europe and Asia. But we have a tournament on the schedule in Africa and Rwanda also. So we'll see what, uh, what continues to show up on that schedule. And um, 
yeah, so those are those are the big events coming up for me and for any other beach volleyball players you may be interested in following. This was awesome. This was so much fun. We chatted longer than I thought, which is always a good thing, not a complaint by any means. <laughs> you, have a, you have a brilliant personality and very thoughtful answers. This was really great. Thank you. You're a great interviewer. This was Thank super you. easy and I enjoyed my time as well. Well, this was, this was fantastic. I hope we chat again. I would love to chat again, but thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for having me on. Finally. Right. Bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much, much appreciation to Delaney. Before you do anything, give her a follow on Instagram, Delaney Mawarder. And for more information on Chasing Gold, check out ChasingGold.org. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway Show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Adiento. Randall has become like, you know, New York's favorite son. <laughs>